You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take your Bible, if you will, and open it up to John chapter 18. My prayer is, as we were singing just that last song of worship, my prayer would be, the end of our time together this morning that we could come to a point that we could say may our love never outlive thee and that we truly understand what it is to to know Jesus Christ to to love Jesus Christ and as we know and we love Jesus Christ that we live for Jesus Christ and so this morning I want us to take a a larger piece of scripture than I normally do so uh, I want to talk fast um We're looking at Jesus standing before Pilate. And in this section of scripture, we have seven scenes, I guess you could say. They bring Jesus to Pilate, who was the the governor, the Roman governor. He was the one that would pass judgment. They had to bring Christ to him. We'll get to that. They're bringing Christ to Pilate. So there, there are seven inside and outside scenes outside with the Jews inside with Jesus outside with the Jews inside with Jesus and in these scenes we are seeing what the Jews think about Jesus Christ what Pilate thinks about Jesus Christ is he the king of kings is he the the king of the Jews well we know that he is and as we see this trial, this interrogation, these conversations, there's much that we can learn about the heart of man and also the heart of our Savior. So I'm going to begin reading there in John chapter 18. He has been handed over uh, by Anison Caiaphas and he is going to the Roman judge Pilate. So look if you will, John 18 verse 28. I'm going to read through John 19 16. And so if you have a, a smartphone or a tablet there with you, and you might want to go ahead and find uh, the website, pastorjohnbeck.com, and on that you're going to see my sermon notes and outline. And I promise you it might be easier to, to follow along. It's a big passage of Scripture. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters being the Jewish leaders, so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and he said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And that would have been a typical statement. He was the judge. What's the accusation that is brought against this man? Verse 30, they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. But Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. 
The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. It was lawful for them to stone, but it was not lawful for them to take part in this crucifixion, this capital punishment which they were seeking for Christ. Only Pilate could order that. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own accord or do others say that it is you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he told them, I find no fault in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release you, this king of Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and he flogged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a, arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and he said to them, the Jews, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again, and he said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. 
Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he he brought Jesus out and he sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in the Aramaic Gabbatha. And it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And so they delivered him over to be crucified. Lord, we thank you for your willingness to go to the cross for the guilt of our sin and to pay a price that though we owed, could never pay. Open up our hearts this morning and allow us to continue to see you for who you truly are. Let us see you for the king that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again to become. And this we pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Jesus on trial over who he is. Is he the king of man? Is he the son of God? Who is he that he is king? That's a great question for us here today. Who is he? Is he he the king that he says he is? Is he... Do we believe that he truly is that king? Is he a a political king? Is he a a spiritual king? Is he a convenience king? Meaning that he is the king that we want him to be when he want him to be it. At our convenience. For our religious good. For our get out of hell card one day. Or is he the lamb that was sent to slaughter? for our iniquities so that we may truly have life a life of abundance and peace and purpose and joy a life that we serve a king follow along there's seven scenes here I'm going to not necessarily go back and reread the text but I'm going to to move between these seven scenes and we're going to look at the heart of Pilate the heart of the Jews the heart of of Christ and examine these things. First, a few words over Pilate. We make fun of politicians. Pilate would be a politician. Appointed by Tiberius to rule over the the people of Judea and Jerusalem. Funny, as I was doing the research about this, nobody wanted to be there. It was the appointment you did not want. Why? Because of this. 
You are not at the outpost of the Roman Empire where there are Roman civilians and people that you're leading over. You're on a, a Roman outpost that is full of, of Judaism and religion and Sadducees and Pharisees and all that is taking place. And so to be sent to this area would not have been the most noble place to be. If you read back in history, you can see Pilate and his conflict over and over and over with the Jews and pacifying the Jews and ruling the people. So it was a, a political hotbed, a religious hotbed and a, a very difficult place to lead because of the Jewish influence. His normal headquarters would have been Caesarea, but because of the Passover and the influx of all of the people of Jerusalem in the city, he would have been at his Jerusalem headquarters for this very reason, to keep calm, to keep the peace, to, to let there be a, a Roman presence. And they have arrested Jesus and they have taken him in the middle of the night from the garden and they went to Annas and they went to Caiaphas and they usher him into Pilate. We see here in verses 28 and 32, the, the first scene, Pilate standing outside of, uh, of his headquarters, so to speak, his, his entrance. At first, it's really interesting to me, the, the hypocrisy, and I, over and over and over, just the hypocrisy of religious religion is on display. Just the sheer hypocrisy of religion. They would not go in to the praetorium to defile themselves so that they could take the Passover but sent inward the innocent lamb to be crucified. Is that not hypocrisy? They stayed in the courtyard so they would not be defiled but sent Jesus in. And Pilate comes to them and asks this question. What accusation do you bring to this man? In verse 31, the Jews respond, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Immediately, Pilate understood they wanted this man crucified. They had the authority to stone someone to death. They didn't mind doing that to Stephen. So with the false religion, there's always an interior motive. There's always something going on in the background. The Jews and the religious leaders were expert at this. We don't want this man stoned to death because he claims to be the king of the Jews. And the only way that we can contradict, this is just mind-boggling to me theologically, it's one of those times when you're in your study and you just shout out loud. We don't want him to be stoned to death. We want him to be crucified to prove he's not the Messiah. How'd that work out? Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, verses earlier, if they weren't so blind and dead in their religion that they could hear the things of the truth of the gospel, Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, unless I am lifted up, I cannot draw man unto myself. He told them that I will be lifted up because I am the Messiah and they are the ones that allowed it and took him to let it happen. 
we are just cogs in the hand of a loving Savior and a loving Lord, aren't we? False, dead religion thinks it's doing exactly what needs to be done, but they are pawns in the hand of a sovereign God. Pilate, only you can crucify him. And Jesus prophesied about that very thing. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. What was the most cursed way, the most humiliated way, the most degrading way to die in this culture was a Roman cross, naked and beaten and crucified on display in front of all mankind in the city of Jerusalem under the rule of a Roman empire. And Jesus himself said, unless I am lifted up and Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.13. Oh, the joy of the Jews saying it is not lawful for us to put him to death. Verses 33 through 38, Pilate goes inside with Christ. In verse 33, he looks there at Jesus and he says, Are you the king of the Jews? And so this this is exactly what Pilate is thinking. He looks at Jesus and he says in verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? Here's what I think Pilate is thinking. I want to be careful when I say I think. I think this is what Pilate was thinking. This guy's not the king of the Jews. He's a carpenter's son. I mean, it would be like me just in plain clothes strolling up and saying, hey, I'm a great rebel leader, I'm a, a military king, and I, no. Jesus didn't have that swagger about himself. Jesus didn't look like this military ruler that was going to come. He didn't, he didn't look like King David on the throne. He was just, it, they say you're the king of the Jews? Obviously, Pilate had not read the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament very much, had he? Neither had the Jews, that he would be a suffering servant and a spotless lamb going to the sacrifice. I think Pilate was also thinking this. Are you the king of the Jews? And he's thinking, surely this guy is not going to admit to that. I think Pilate was saying, I'm going to bring this guy in here and he's going to say, they're bringing an accusation, are you the king of the Jews? Surely this guy is going to say, I'm not the king of the Jews and it would have been over. Are you the king of the Jews? Then Jesus said, I love what the Spirit does. It it goes to uh, a, a trial. Now Jesus begins to interrogate him. Verse 34, have others told you this? Or did others say this to you about me? Then Pilate looks at him in verse 35 and he says, well, what have you done? I mean, what have you done that they claim to be that you are this king? You know what I would have said if I would have been there? That's a 
You ever put yourself in places like that? There's a lot of places in Scripture. Boy, I'd love to have been there. I think I'd have stepped out from the side and said, I'll tell you what he did. He turned water into wine. That's what he did. He took the nobleman's son and he, he healed him. That's what he did. He took that paralytic by the pool of water and he said, why don't you get up and walk? That's what he did. He took 5,000 people and he fed them. And he fed them till they were overflowing. That's what he did. And then he walked on water after he fed those 5,000. And then he met a blind man that had been blind since birth and he gave him sight. That's what he did. And then I would have gotten a little sarcastic. It's not a spiritual gift, but I am good at it. And I tell you what else he did, and I know you've heard about it. Lazarus is not dead. That's what he did. You betcha he's the king of the Jews. Seven miracles John teaches us about, those seven miracles, where Jesus explicitly said, I am God. I turned that water into wine. I healed that nobleman's son. I healed that paralytic. I fed 5,000. I walked on water. I caused the blind to see. And everybody's heard about it. It's all on Snapchat and Twitter. I raised Lazarus from the dead four days later. That's what I would have said when he said, what have you done? Now, you know what Jesus said? Verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, Pilate, you'll never get it. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a civil kingdom. It's not a religious kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. My battle is not down here. If that would have been the case, Peter would have wiped all y'all out in the garden the other night. There wouldn't just be an ear falling to the ground. You'd all fall into the ground. But my battle's not here. Actually, my battle is on Golgotha because it's a spiritual battle. I'm not your king. I'm not a political king. Then he says in verse 37, you, so you are a king. Then Jesus said in verse 37, the second part of that, you say I'm a king for this person I was born. For this person I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. I like when I read scripture and I read commentators and you're studying it because you're, you know, you begin to ask yourself, how did he say it? What ten, you know, when he says, what is truth? What did he mean by that? Was he, was he throwing up his hands? What is truth? We've got the Jews over here. We've got the philosophers over there. We've got you standing here. What is truth? The world asked that question. What is truth? You know what the answer is? The same answer it was there. 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is always about the good news of Jesus Christ. Verses 38 through 40, now we have Pilate. I can only imagine what's going on in his brain right now. The tussle in his heart and his mind. And he steps outside in verse 38 and, and he says it, he goes back out there and he says, he's innocent, I, I don't find any fault with him. Of course, the Jews are ready. Boy, they've been plotting. As we've gone through John, they're ready for this. They always know what to say. They always know how to twist things to get what they want in society. Is it not our custom for you to give us and release someone? Pilate's thinking, sure, and sure they're going to sure they want this Jesus release. But what do they say? Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And the text tells us that he was a robber. Think about this for a moment. Shot of this down, I think it's good. Remember in John chapter 10 and verse 18 and following, he talked about the sheepfold and the entrance into the sheepfold and the door and Jesus is a good shepherd in the door. And as he's telling this about the great I am, I am, and he looks at the religious leaders and he says, but these, these are all only, listen to this, these are only thieves and robbers. These Jewish leaders in this religion is just thieves and robbers. Barabbas was a robber. And then in the upper room in in John chapter 15 and verse 19, Jesus makes this comment, and I I think it's something that we need to pay attention to. At the Last Supper, he, he commented and he explained to the disciples that the world will love their own. It's pretty good, isn't it? You're thieves and robbers. Naturally, you're going to want the robber released. Things that are opposed to God and the goodness and the truth of the gospel always seem to find themselves working together, don't they? The one common truth that the enemy has against us is Jesus. And the world will always work together in their own. Give us Barabbas. Chapter 19, the fourth comings and goings. He's back inside. Those three verses you see there, it just said he took him in and had him flogged. And I, it's one of those, our visual, visual effects are very powerful, but I, I immediately go to the passion of the Christ and the beating and the beating and the beating and the flogging. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think we understand the, the flogging in the Roman I mean, I can think back to my days in a little privy head switch that's about that long. That was back when you could do that. Two or three of those, I was begging for mercy. I have a piece of leather and bone and shell embedded in it and cat's tails and flogging and flogging and every, every flog ripping the the skin off of his back and the the beating and the flogging and the mockery. 
there would have been a, a typical flogging that would have taken place before a crucifixion, but I think what Pilate was doing, again, I think what Pilate was doing, we see there's more of a, a deliberate act of embarrassment and humiliation. Let's, let's take a crown and, and let's twist it around his head and beat it upon his head and, and let's take this, this robe and let's, let's drape this robe around him. And in that culture, it would have signified a, a, a sense of power and of dignity and, and ruler and a lordship. And so we have this Christ and his face and his body would have been beaten and swollen in blood. And I think what Pilate was doing, that would have been the normal course of action, but I think Pilate probably stepped it up a little bit because I think sincerely what Pilate wanted for them to say, okay, that's enough, don't crucify him. But that, that wasn't the case. Verses 4 and 8 of 19, we have the fifth scene here, and Pilate presents him before the Jewish leaders. Look right there in verse 5. And Jesus came out, and he was wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Jesus, Pilate said to him, and I got very emotional just thinking about it, seeing him, Behold the man. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been awesome to have our choir? I thought about having our choir out in the courtyard singing, No, behold our God. No, that's not the man. That is God. And just as we sang that with excitement and passion and majesty, that was just the opposite, the, the downgrading and the humility and the mockery. Behold the man. I think what Pilate was trying to do, if there's any goodness in his heart, he's saying, this doesn't look like a king. Look what I've done to him. Let him go. Is this not enough? Behold, this man with a robe and a crown, this isn't a king. But oh, yes, he was. Verse 6 of 19, the Jews demand, crucify him. They said, crucify him because he claims to be the Son of God. Oh, with hypocrisy. Oh, he is the Son of God, all right. In their eyes, that was blasphemy. In their eyes, that is why he needed to be crucified. And they're reminding Pilate, he has to be crucified. He is claiming to be deity. And there is no deity except Caesar. Notice the, as we move in that, think about that. The Jewish leaders are claiming Caesar king when they say Jesus needs to be king. Crucified, I mean. The reason they wanted him killed, to them it was blasphemy. Yet it was the truth. Think about the world today. Think about what the world calls blasphemy. But yet it is truth. The world says that truth is blasphemy. But yet it is truth. Verse 8, 
Striking words. When Jesus heard these statements, he was even more afraid. The Romans were very superstitious because think about it, Zeus, the gods. You watch any of those TVs and movies, you never know when a god has been with a, when the mortal has been with the immortal. You know, I think I, I might be messing this up, but wasn't Hercules mortal and immortal? He was Hercules, and so you got immortal gods with, with man, and so, you know, Pilate's thinking, wait a minute now. If he's claiming to be deity, what if this is one of Zeus's kids? They were superstitious. They didn't like that. They will make Zeus, now I may be stretching this. I don't want to make Zeus mad. That's why he was afraid. Or think about this from the Matthew 27, 19, Matthew's gospel. Remember, Pilate's wife comes to him and says, Pilate, do not do anything to this righteous man. My soul has been troubled all day. They were very superstitious. Anything like that had come from the gods. Oh, it came from a god, all right. But it wasn't Zeus. I really believe with all of my heart he was scared to death. But he is a political puppet and the Jews had control and he was supposed to be leading. What kind of leader are you? Can you imagine getting an email from Tiberius? What is going on down there? Lead the people. Be Rome. Make a decision. Do what is right. But he couldn't do what was right because of his heart. The sixth scene, verses 9 through 12, he takes Jesus back in and he says, verse 9, where are you from? Tell me who you are. Tell me where you're from. Then he says in verse 9, do you not know what power I have? Now, this is a a beaten, go back to the passion of Christ. Go back to any Jesus crucifixion-type passion video. Think about his face, and he has been beaten, and he's standing before Pilate, and he's bloody, and he's humiliated and mocked. Where are you from? Do you not know I have the authority to make you free? Then verse 11, Jesus said, You have no authority over me unless all that had been given to you. You have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Then we looked in the last well, let's go back to verse 12. Verse 12, from then Jesus sought to release him, but the truths cried out, if you release him, you are a friend of Caesar, and everyone who makes him a king, anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. That's where the rub was with Pilate. If he is saying that he is a king, then he is saying he is above Caesar, and Rome would never allow someone to say they're above Caesar, so the Jews knew that Pilate had to crucify him because if it got back to Biberius, that he was allowing a man to say he was above Caesar, that it would be Pilate's head on the block. Now we move to that seventh scene, the last time before the Jewish leaders there in verse 13. He heard these words. He brought Jesus out. He sat on a seat of judgment, judging the great judge. 
Imagine that. And he sat on this great throne of judgment like he had any control whatsoever. And he said, behold your king. I listened to the words of the Jews. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Then Pilate said in verse 15, shall I crucify your king? Notice these words. The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. You know what, that's one of those uh uh-oh statements. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a conversation and your, your, your mind can't keep up with what you need to say and, the, you know, the real you comes out? Have you ever been in that situation? Some of you may cuss on accident. You ever done that? I was in a golf league and I used to have people cuss in front of me as a preacher. That is embarrassing, by the way. Don't put me through that. Don't cuss in front of me. Because then you're going to feel so guilty and I'll look at you and say, that's between you and the Lord. But you ever notice that? Your mind, get, you get caught up in the moment, you get caught up in the moment. Ah! They were so caught up in the moment. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be crucified. We serve Caesar. And I guarantee you they went, did we just say that? Because we've been telling everybody we're doing this for God. Oh, the heart, the mouth is the overflow of the heart. Our king is Caesar. Broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. What did Rome do to the great city of Jerusalem and their temple just a few years later? Tore it to the ground. Three thoughts. The Jewish leaders. They rejected Jesus as king, and by doing so, they revealed their true king. Who's your king? The king is that which you worship with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Your king is that who you love and who you serve and you follow after. Your king is not a religious thing. Your king is not coming to church. Your king is not doing good deeds. Your your king is not believing there is a Jesus. Your king is Lord Jesus. And you go to church. You serve him. You believe him because he is your king. You have repented of your sin. Your greatest desire is to love him because he loves you and you follow him and you adore him. The Jews did not do that. 1 John 2, 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Caesar was a human power that gave them what they wanted. It was from Rome, and that which was from Rome ultimately brought their defeat. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for gate is the wide, and the way is easy, and it leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those those who find it are easy. They did the broad way that led to their destruction. Their king was Satan. Yes, it was Caesar. Yes, the world. 
and it was Satan. There are only two options. We bow our knee and our heart and our life to the Lord Jesus Christ or to that great deceiver that is opposed to him, Satan. Thought to person to Pilate. Three different times as we look at the text, he wanted to see Jesus release. But he couldn't do it. He was more concerned about man and society. He was more concerned about his future, his prestige, his position. He was more concerned with pride and popularity. He was more concerned about him having control of the outcome instead of just standing on what he knew was right. A few denials ago, we used the Apostle Creed with our youth as a time of study and theological truth. And the Apostle Creed is probably, if not, is the earliest statement of faith that came into the early church. You remember that? As for those that may be familiar with the Apostles' Creed, he was given over by Pontius Pilate. Why not the Jews? Jesus himself said the Jews to him, but no, he was, he was given over by Pontius Pilate. To know what to do which is truth, but to be more concerned for the world will have an impact on your eternity. I wonder how many of us this morning are really concerned about things that pertain to your life, your future, but you're more concerned about you and how you can do it than what Christ can do through you. Because it's harder to stand on truth more than it was a few years ago. Then we have Christ. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was unjustly condemned and delivered up for crucifixion. Don't miss this. He was rejected by his own people. But yet, he was crucified. We just sing this. He was crucified bearing the guilt of all sinful man rejected by his own people but yet on that cross he paid the debt and the penalty for sinful man I want to close with reading this scripture verse Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 7 do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior we, we use this in church words and phrases and it really boils down to this. Have your sins been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ? Do you know that, that you're a sinner, that your sins have been forgiven, and that you're in a right standing with God over what Christ has done for you? But as you have done that, as you have made this decision, it is a decision that has affected your mind and your heart, and your life now is just consumed with the joy and the life of just living as a Christian and living for Jesus Christ. That's what's at stake here. Who is King Jesus? 
Isaiah 53, 3 through 7, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was so despised. As he came out of that courtyard and he faced those, the public, as he stood there on the cross, Isaiah prophesied his, his face and his body would be so beaten and so bruised, it would be despised to look on. And the scripture says, back to Isaiah, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and he has carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and upon him the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord Jesus has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So that he could go to that cross and bear the guilt of sinful man. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And this morning we acknowledge that as we see that so clearly in your word. Lord, if there's anyone here today that is struggling with that relationship with you as a sovereign Lord and gracious King, let today be the day they decide not to be as a pilot or as a Jewish leader. They're no longer concerned about the cares and the worries of the world, but they're making a decision on truth and who you are, Christ. We thank you for the words and the prophecy of Isaiah. A man without Christ is like sheep that's gone astray and leads everyone to their own way. But we are grateful, Lord, that you took that for us. It has given us an opportunity to receive that forgiveness of sin and eternal life. In this we pray in Jesus' name.